Hello. Hello. It's Sunday. It is Sunday. It's late. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. We had a nice little afternoon and got relaxed. Got out in the nice weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think me and Winston both took naps. Yeah, Winnie has been asleep. A lot yeah, it was tough last night with the fireworks. Mm-hmm. He uh, was very stressed for several hours, but he did eventually fall asleep, maybe around mm-hmm. 12.30 or so. Poor puppy. Which was predictable as the fireworks died off. But yeah, it was, you know, pretty fun weekend for just the three of us hanging out and mm-hmm. did some cool stuff, played some games, mm-hmm. playing some Baba Is You. Baba is you. It's, it's a pretty the hardest wild game. game. It's a very difficult game. Time. It's very interesting. No, just kidding. It's quite <laughs> unique. Well, yeah, some of the levels. So it's like it's a puzzle-based game, but you can like move things around and there's like characters and there's things you can push and there's things that you can open and then there's things that float and then things that teleport you. Like each level mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, there's a new mechanic here." Yeah. Like so it's kind of fun. And you get it, the basic premise is that you move around words on the screen and the words are creating sentences that are controlling the other objects on the screen. So it's kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah, so Hence, can, Baba is you, you but you could replace Baba or you could I replace could make you. Box is you. Yeah, <laughs> or it's pretty wild. Is you. It's a super fun and unique game. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Um, anything else going on? I made a video. Yeah, you did. I watched it. So I'm back to, um, well, no, I was sighing because this week I'm back to working on an extra project and extra monies for, <laughs> for work stuff, mm-hmm. for professional academic work stuff. Uh, but ooh, ooh. rumor has it, we're going to get some it. Harry Potter Wizards Unite stuff. Yeah. I don't know how this rumor mill started, but I think it was up and ready. No. This is from the NDA people. Oh, okay. Well, so, hmm, who knows? I'm busy this week. Don't watch Maybe. News you this don't week. know. You don't know anything. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there's always this funny skepticism around not being in the NDA, and it's like, oh, but you, you do know, right? And it's like, no, you don't know anything. Yeah. Um, I realize my wand is not ready. One not ready. <laughs> and cut. Okay, we're ready. We're ready. Okay, should we get into it then? <laughs> yeah. All right. Juan's ready. Juan's ready. Turn to page 31, the night bus. Today's lesson is called Rules Are Rules. Oh my gosh. Which is something that Fudge literally says. <laughs> So, a synopsis. The chapter begins with Harry alone on the street, his wizarding equipment in tow. Harry is taking stock of his predicament when he senses what turns out to be a large black beast watching him. As he nervously prepares to deal with it, he accidentally summons the night bus, a form of transport for stranded wizards and witches. He hides his identity from the night bus employees, Stan and Ernie, but not his ignorance about the wizarding world. Harry learns about Sirius Black, a deranged man who escaped from Azkaban and who killed 13 people with a single curse. Harry spends the rest of his trip to Diagon Alley, dreading the legal realities he's facing for using underaged magic. When he arrives, he is stunned to find none other than the Minister for Magic, Cornelius Fudge, waiting for him. Fudge is apparently relieved to see Harry safe and sound, given Black's escape, 
and nonchalantly disregards Harry's use of magic to blow up his aunt. Harry is then put up in a room at the Leaky Cauldron and promptly falls asleep. Mm. We'll get to Fudge. Don't even get me started on Fudge. So, (laughs) (laughs) the night bus is emergency transport for stranded witches and wizards. Of course, there's some writing on Wizarding World about it. So, it's a triple-decker bus, has Mm -hmm. seats during the day and beds at night. So, this is nighttime. Harry has a bed, not a seat. Uh, It's a relatively modern invention in Wizarding society. Sure. And... um, Yes, yeah, so there was a need for some form of transportation to help out who we're talking about here, stranded mm-hmm. witches and wizards, uh, to discreetly transport them within the muggle world. Right. And there were many suggestions, supposedly. Uh, sidecars on taxi-style broomsticks, carrying baskets slung under thestrals. All of them were vetoed by the ministry. Mm-hmm. And then Minister for Magic, Dugold Mick. Fail. Nice. P H A I L. I didn't realize that until I read it out loud. Um, McPhail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hit upon the idea of imitating the Muggles' relatively new bus service in 1865. The night bus hit the streets. So 1865? They, yeah. 1865. That's what it said. Wow, okay. 1865 wow. is when this thing started. And was inspired by muggles. Hmm. Um, not surprising, but some uh, pureblood fanatics refused to ride the night bus. Oh, sure. You, you think Lucius they... <laughs> Malfoy is going to go up on this bus? Give me a break. Boycotting what was dubbed this muggle-esque outrage in the letters page of the Daily Prophet. But hmm. regardless, the night bus uh, proved hugely popular with yeah. most of the community. Sure. I mean, what's not to like about it? It's really quite a fascinating solution. And yeah. it makes sense now that you've read the history that it would come from a concern that stranded witches and wizards might uh, be desperate enough to use magic in yeah. the presence of muggles. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I like how it works, too, like... It p- he summons it. It mm-hmm. picks him up, and then when it starts, it goes back to where it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Like that's kind of crazy. It's like this rubber band. Yeah. So yeah. the magic is the summoning, and then the, and then there's a secondary magic of like not being seen and things like that. Yeah, and making things move out of the way. Just like the whole thing about it is kind of. Crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like when Harry, Harry says Voldemort, and they and go then through like, like a barn, barn or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, hilarious. J.K. Rowling wrote that the night bus was named because night, K-N-I-G-H-T, mm-hmm. is a homonym for night, mm-hmm. the evening. And it's a chivalrous act. And yes, uh, night has the connotation of coming to the rescue. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. that was part of sure, the naming I of it. it. Uh, the driver and conductor of the night ba- bus um, are named after her two grandfathers, Ernest and Stanley. Nice. Those are my fun facts about the night bus. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That so, was. I thought about looking up the night bus. Here's another instance where Harry just like, people just be watching Harry. They're just like hiding in bushes or yeah. in the nighttime. He like just sees uh, glimmers of, so the last time it was eyes, 
it was Dobby just like watching him in the last book. Now we have the this like thing that's like there, and he's like, that's why he falls over yep. and accidentally summons the night bus. Oh. Mm-hmm. So who else comes to Harry's rescue? Cornelius Fudge. Oh my gosh! In the most ridiculous way imaginable, which is, you know, basically. Um, well, before we get to Fudge, can I? I have a couple of things about Sirius Black. Okay. Well, actually, it's not really that serious. But, Hit us with him. Uh, no, just that when so Harry makes the connection that Black is the Black that's also on the Daily Prophet. And he's like, oh, hey, I've seen that guy. And the people are like, yeah, dude, <laughs> come on. I thought it was come really- on, Neville. <laughs> yeah, come on, Neville. Oh, my gosh, poor Neville. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. impersonating Neville. Um, I thought it was interesting the, the way that um, they talked about, like, oh, well, uh, Sirius was or supposedly is carrying a gun. Like, that's kind of the story. Mm-hmm. A type of muggle magic wand. Yeah, I thought that, okay, a kind of metal wand that muggles use to kill each other. Like, I thought that was an interesting glimpse into... So we describe, like, all these magical things, but, like, from the framings of us as people who don't have magic. And and so it's kind of interesting to see it the other way around of, like, how were, how would I explain something mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist in our magical world, like, using magical... Uh, parallels that aren't it doesn't quite capture like what it is because it's not it can't but it's just interesting to Mm. to see that the whole and again in this like we're talking a lot about madness and confinement because they're kind of like oh he like was just laughing after he murdered a bunch of people and Mm -hmm. and then kind of joking like oh well uh you know if Azkaban probably did it worse for him or something they they were just like talking about him as if He's not a person. So all this like punishment stuff that like Harry is now carrying around with him by the time he meets Fudge is kind of like there's all this like in the air where he's thinking about like, uh, well, first of all, there's never been a breakup from Azkaban. And, but like he keeps hearing about this prison, this wizard prison. And then he questions. He's like, was inflating Aunt Marge bad enough to land in Azkaban? So that's like the frame of mind. He has been for the last however many days been surrounded by all of this discourse about yeah, i like how he thinks to himself like uh ron and hermione would still help him even yeah. though he's a criminal now they would <laughs> yeah they would okay they so do then he meets fudge which was a surprise yeah i mean for me the standout of the chapter is the juxtaposition between his dismissal of uh, basically fudge fudging the laws right i mean he can do whatever he wants. It's this idea of like the flexibility of the justice system, right? So, oh, it's no big deal. Even and then Harry himself, I think Harry's voice in this is is almost harshly unrealistic, right? Because he is so pure of heart that he's just like, but last last year I got in, I got a notice, even though I wasn't even the one yeah, who cast it. Because it's a clear inconsistency so it's not just the fact that he's harry potter as a potential of like oh well it's harry potter let's protect him that can't be true because last year he was punished right and he was still harry potter last year and so trying to figure out what makes it different this time that compared to last time which was one not his fault at all and he got blamed for and like threatened with punishment 
So it's yeah. definitely something very suspicious. And I was just like, oh, first, I forgot that Harry had already seen him because he like Fudge introduces himself and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, Cornelius Fudge. And Harry in his head is like, yeah, no, I saw you under my dad's invisibility cloak, but you're not supposed to know that. Um, yeah, Fudge has a lot of gems that set me off in this chapter. Like, yeah, but the juxtaposition is that he says it's fine, but then he can't sign the Hogsmeade's mm-hmm. letter because the rules are rules. And so there's, you have immediately in our first major interaction, well, even our first true interaction with Fudge, he is contradictory about rules and laws. And in this one, he is, again, contradictory or hypocritical about the rules are rules because he says that, but he doesn't actually act that way, right? Because he himself believes he's above the rules, as do a lot of people. We saw that last book, though, when Harry was under the invisibility cloak and he was saying, like, oh, well, you know, Hagrid, whatever, like, you'll just be sent to Azkaban for a few days. And if you're innocent, then, like, well, like, like it was. It's too casual. It's a game. Yeah, it's very, very casual. <laughs> right? It doesn't mean. impact him. And I find it incredibly disheartening. It's one of the things that disgusts me the most in the world is uh, double standards of this type. Um, people who stand on the principle of a justice system but don't do it in any sort of even-handed way, which is who Fudge represents in this couple of scenes and will continue to represent pretty harshly as we go forward. Um, where he, he in the name of justice, does whatever he wants. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do this in the name of justice. I will be unjust in the name of justice, and that'll be fine. Yeah. So I'll twist the laws. I'll change the laws because I'm above the law. doesn't really matter if you're innocent, Hagrid. doesn't really matter if you're guilty, Harry. It's fine. doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's all circumstantial. It's very too. blatant because he, he ends up, retorting back to harry of like do you want to be expelled it's so like evil it's It's very (laughs) because it's it's uh it reminds me so like the fact that this is like written for it's a children's series like there are certain moments throughout that i think are super compelling thinking about myself as a child reading this because like how many times as a kid trying to figure out like how rules work being in school and then being like wait a second this happened here but not here like why is that the case and then so it's kind of this like i know a lot of people use harry or like early harry in this like transformation as like this innocence and then like coming to like grow into the world and so that is very much this is another instance of that to me of just being being confronted with like 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 people like fudge are normal it's just like part of the existing oh completely they're in they are by far this is how people act right Mm -hmm. they will say out loud rules are rules and they will proclaim it but they won't act it so there's a there's always been a part of me where it's like well it wouldn't it be because I value honesty very highly, like, wouldn't it just be better to be honest about, like, no, that justice is not blind. Our rules are not blindly uh, applied. We actually do take into account circumstance. Why can't you just say that? Yeah. Why do you have to say something like a platitude, like rules are rules? Mm -hmm. You know, the best judges and things seem to be judges who 
interpret the law relative to the circumstances. You look at like, what are the circumstances? That's why mm -hmm. you can have nuanced conversation about the law. Mm -hmm. But then you get the discourse about the law as like, it's ironclad and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, the most frustrating part to me about, well, a lot of my frustration in moments like these is when, to me, it's clear that whoever the quote-unquote adult is, is not telling Harry what is happening. And yes. so, like, that was me with Dumbledore all last book. Yes. That's me right now is, like, there's clearly some more stuff going on, and I don't think Harry sees it yet, but it's, like, you clear. Can sense, he senses it. He senses that there's this something odd. Otherwise, but, he like, wouldn't the things up. are connected though right. they totally are. we will right. well uh, yes and even in like a less kind of uh confluence of like connectedness just in general i get hot about this idea because i believe it has a big role to play in schooling right where we we teachers or we as students like hear or say like these are the rules mm -hmm. and then we bend them. Mm -hmm. We don't say the rules are flexible. We say the rules are rigid, but then we bend them in secret. It's quiet. Right. Yeah. And it's what you're saying is like, especially as a young person, but even into my adulthood, like trying to figure out what the rules actually are. And I think the, what I figured out is that there are very, very few rules that are actually firm in any sort of circumstance. Like, they're always flexible, always negotiable. Mm -hmm. but Even it, the people who proclaim to be the most rigid, like Umbridge will and mm -hmm. Fudge does. But it also, so, like, those depend on who it is and yeah. what those. That's right. So, like, that so as the being negotiation part of the, is, mm -hmm. yeah, you have, to, you have to be really cognizant of your position there. Yeah. Can Fudge, I? Okay. Oh, go, no, what do you No, have? just, I just wanted to comment on the things that Fudge said that made me mad okay. really quickly. Just that. Okay, him being like, oh, the Dursleys, they're your family after all. And I'm just like, dudes, yeah, like all very these people. Deep down, really. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Uh, it was an accident. And then, so I wrote the thing about Dobby. And then Harry goes into the thing about Dobby. Uh, but yeah, the thing, circumstances change. Like, whatever. Don't want to lose you again, do we? Like, just say what you mean. Just talk to Harry as a person. That's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so the, the thing that summed it up to me was, Harry in his head thinking this didn't tally at all with his past dealings. Like, obviously, there's something happening here. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fudge is just annoying. I mean, I could go on. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> forever about justice and my understandings <laughs> of it or interpretations of it. But here's some more interesting thing. Um, I looked up some laws. Mm-hmm. So here are some laws in the wizarding world. There's a ban on experimental breeding, which yes. we've talked a bit about. So, you know, Newt wrote it. Um, lots of different things. So blast-ended scroots, whatever. The fire chicken. Fire that's, chicken. That's why I talked about it previously for Wizards Unite. Yeah. There's a code, code of wand use. So... Uh, uh, in the next book, we'll see, for example, a house elf accused of using a wizard's wand. Goblins also cannot use wizard's wands. Uh, basically, only non no non-humans can. And that has like a lot of complicated history of who counts as like the hierarchies. Definitely, across. centaurs. Mm -hmm. Very frustrated. Mm -hmm. uh, the decree for justifiable confiscation. So, this is quite 
muggle in its use. It's basically mm-hmm. that like you can that the police can seize things. Mm. Um, it's, it comes up in the seventh book. Uh, the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery, which we're dealing with right now, and Harry deals with basically his whole story <laughs> here. Uh, the guidelines for the treatment of non-wizard part humans. So this is like half giants and half uh-huh. and centaurs and and mer people. So it's quite interesting. The wand wand ban is talked about there. Well, you know whether it's entirely a law. I mean, it's specifically called guidelines, but has to do with like rules for treating them so you know kind of interesting international ban on dueling which is a thing uh the statute of secrecy international statute of wizarding secrecy the yep. official name yes uh the muggle protection act mm-hmm. uh which arthur has some things to do with that and make sure that like wizards aren't abusing muggles mm-hmm. uh, here's something in the u.s for Makusa, rapaport's law so Rappaport's law has to do with uh, banning marriage and friendship between wizards and nomadges, yes. the American uh-huh. analog to yes. muggles. Uh-huh. So that's quite interesting. Uh, it gets repealed in 1965. The registry of prescribed charmable objects. So these are things that you're allowed to charm, like a broomstick. Uh, the werewolf code of conduct. Newt, yeah, I talked about Newt I remember. with this last time. Yeah. Or whenever it was. The Wisenkamit, I don't know how to pronounce it perfectly, yeah. Charter of Rights. Uh, so we'll see that uh, in the fifth book as well. So accused has the right to pr- present witnesses. Mm. Uh, then you have the tracking of underage wizards uh, that all animagi- animagi must be registered with the Ministry for Magic. Uh, legi- apparently, this, these are these are less fleshed out ideas, but apparently there's a legislation about what you can conjure. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. use of veritaserum is closely uh, controlled. You have to have a license to apparate mm-hmm. from the Department of Magical Transportation, like a license. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, you must clip the distinctive forked tail of a crup. Yes. To hide it from muggles. I notice. did know that. Poor little crappies. Little Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> so th- I like this because for me, like this is part of the fun of fantasy worlds is that you get to explore the deeper part of the iceberg if you want to. Because obviously some of these like come up in some sense, but they're not like explicit as this. So mm-hmm. I found this uh, online and, you know, there's more detail than what I said. So it's, pre- it's pretty fun. Yeah. For sure. Uh, some other things that I looked up were at the Leaky Cauldron. That's where <laughs> Harry uh, yeah. is forced to stay for the next <laughs> couple of weeks due to our lovely minister. Yeah, it's going to be tough on him. He has, like, <laughs> full freedom, so it's going to be real tough. Oh, Harry. Okay, so the uh, Leaky Cauldron was created two centuries before the imposition of the International Statute of Secrecy, and it was initially visible to muggle eyes. It was just open. Whoa! (laughs) It was just a bar. I would have been there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, When the Statute of Secrecy was imposed, um, there was sort of like, people wanted to keep it because it was obviously like super popular. People loved it. The cauldron. The cauldron. The leaky cauldron. Sorry, yeah, the leaky cauldron. No, no, I got you. I was just... Um, and so they decided, okay, we're going to conceal it. We're going to protect mm. it. And mm. we're going to 
if you're gonna use it you have to be good you know like that that was kind of this understanding and the minister for magic at the time Ulick gamp was uh sympathetic to the needs uh and to let off steam under the new the difficult new conditions that being the statute of secrecy so uh, keeping hard it, to be hidden yeah <laughs> keeping it open for them and uh letting the landlord responsibility for granting entrance into diagon alley so that was kind of like when that happened mm. so letting people go in and because they also needed to protect diagon alley if we're doing the statute sure. of secrecy so sure. they had it all like in this one little could you imagine yeah. like pre-statute of secrecy you're just like Chilling out in London, yeah. shopping, boom, diagonally. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Super fun. Hit by the night bus. <laughs> um, also, to honor Gamp's protection of the Leaky Cauldron, the landlord created a new brand of beer, Gamp's Old Gregarious, which tasted so disgusting that nobody has ever been known to finish a pint. <laughs> There's a 100 galleon prize to anyone prepared to do so. Hagrid could do it. But nobody has yet succeeded in claiming the gold. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, My I thought gosh. that was a cute little fact. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a good chapter because yet again, we've got a different transition between muggle and wizarding worlds. Mm-hmm. Right, like the first one is basically just Hagrid, the second one is the flying car, and now the third is the night bus. Yeah, and I, I think that pattern. I'm not. I'm, I hadn't pre-thought this, but I suspect it will follow that there there are different entry yes. points. Yeah, true, true, uh, true. Yeah, the fourth would be like the Quidditch World Cup, and the fifth would be yeah, goes on. So. I really like these types of chapters because you can kind of see how J.K. Rowling is setting the tone for what's going on. It's set it like that's why I named the chapter the way it did. Not only did it stand out to me that like to have Fudge say rules are rules, but that this this story will be about justice. Right? Mm-hmm. It is about a person who was in jail. Mm-hmm. and is now broken out of jail yeah. and all the prejudices that would come with such a position in the world and an admittance when it comes down to it that uh, wizarding justice is also failable. Like, yeah. th- this is not the person who you, you know, think they are. What I didn't look up that I will have to look up in a future chapter is Azkaban because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just <laughs> there's a lot. I mean... Like I said, last chapter, there was a lot. There was that, that's why I went into the little, the theoretical thing of, like, how we're seeing people and, like, the, the idea of criminality and, mm-hmm. like, punishment particularly. And Harry even outwardly questions this of, like, what is his due punishment for something like this? For this yeah. instance, it appears to he be has, nothing. But It's so pure. He's yeah. so noble. I get mm-hmm. that he's kind of probing, but to be... You don't see that. It's another character description of Harry, right? It kind of sets him apart. He's not really trying to get away with it. Mm. I mean, he has the thoughts on the night bus, but then when he's truly confronted with the person and he does get away with it, he's Mm -hmm. like, wait a second. Nothing? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. 
Yeah, I think also so in context of what of what is going on just broadly, this is the first time supposedly anyone has ever broken out of Azkaban. Right. So I imagine that the response by Fudge is also like it's clunky because it's Fudge, but it's also like what do you do in this novel situation? Totally. And so like Harry is like you're 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 nothing in this situation. We have bigger things to do. He's not talking about it. That's and then right. Harry brings it That's up right. and then Fudge kind of is like, "Whoa." <laughs> like Yes, yeah, so the hypocrisy isn't being flexible. Mm. It's being flexible in the face of saying something like rules are rules, which mm-hmm. is an absolute truism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're defining them as themselves and therefore they're rigid and unflexible. Mm-hmm. Inflexible. Infl- I don't know. <laughs> yeah, inflexible, They cannot flex. <laughs> <laughs> no flexing. And, but like Harry, I mean, yeah, Fudge has a chance to tell the truth mm-hmm. and it would forego a lot of pain that's about to come up Mm. uh that series of lies of like we'll we'll shelter him right we'll just shelter him yeah we the adults will handle it and poorly (laughs) we see that that is the epitome to me of the teacher student dilemma which is an or parent child like an attempt to shelter from pain Mm -hmm. at the cost of denying reality yeah and just dealing with it so that's, that's an experience be, to learn you can from. pretend it's all you want right? mm-hmm. that rules are rules but yeah. harry knows that you're lying yeah we, it's yeah it's yeah, true he yeah. knows so and and his curiosity and it will come it comes in i believe the next chapter or one after from such a more uh a more um amiable source being arthur weasley Mm. the same type of like half truths like be careful don't look for him right that that kind of thing but without just like just put your cards on the table this isn't a poker game yeah it's not a game yeah that's my problem that's where where i fall on this stuff yeah that's why fudge annoys the crap out of me in this book and this is also why dumbledore sets me off sometimes so yes exactly (laughs) right yes right yeah yeah uh okay that's all i have hey hey <laughs> good chapter until next time Juan's ready, ready.